We are here at Building 177, Pentecost Sunday, and so we are doing something fresh today. And I, I couldn't be more thrilled about where God is taking us. So if you could open your Bible to Genesis 1. We're going to get into the teaching now. So again, good morning. My name is Evan, and my wife Sandy and I have the joy of leading this church alongside an amazing team, many of whom you've seen already. Um, and we are praying for you. you. We're holding you in our hearts in this time. And today, we start a new series, a brand new series. And honestly, we've been looking forward to doing something like this for a long time. We are calling this series Life in the Spirit which is essentially Jesus and Paul's entire vision for the people of God in four words, life in the spirit. Perfect day to start this Pentecost Sunday. If you don't know what Pentecost is, it's the day the church remembers when the Holy Spirit came and birthed the church in the beginning 2,000 years ago. You heard Clark read uh, the passage from Acts 2 where that happened. The Holy Spirit came, tongues of fire and wind, and empowered the first Jesus followers to become the body of Christ in the world. And so in recent weeks, in recent months, Park Hill leadership has been praying together about how to step into whatever's next. Spring is over, summer's upon us, everything feels different, and this all feels like uncharted waters for all of us. And so we're asking, what is God doing? Like, what's he stirring in Park Hill Church right now? If there's one thing God wants us to focus on in this crazy moment of economic and physical uncertainty and now just all of the evil and the tensions around racism and division in our country, where does God want us to go as a church and the consensus among the leadership, the elders and other leaders, even people texting me like randomly during my sermon prep this week, all saying the same thing and confirming, God is inviting us into an intensified season of discovering, and for some of us, rediscovering the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And we're diving in headfirst. I believe this series has been years in the making since the beginning of planting our church. Even before we launched Christmas Eve 2017, we've been praying that our church would be a word and spirit church. We long to be a church both of theological depth, like committed to biblical authority, searching the scriptures and drenched in the power of the spirit, both word and spirit. So we've mentioned the spirit a ton, like all through these years, we've talked about how he empowers us and he unifies us with the Father and all of that, uh, which is great and true, but we haven't set aside time in the scriptures to focus on the Spirit and get a full-on Genesis to Revelation, like bird's-eye view of the Holy Spirit until now. So we're doing it. For us, this is more than a series. This is a transition moment for us as a church. It's the next step forward we're going forward to normal uh, rather than back to normal. And we're moving th into it through uh, the power and the understanding of the spirit. That's the number one way we believe God is calling us to look different. You know, we say everything's going to look different after this time. Um, but the number one thing we want to see different is that we're more aware of the person of the Holy Spirit and what he does and what he desires to do in our lives. So we're looking to the scriptures for clarity on this. What does it mean to be filled 
with the Spirit. That's a weird term, especially for people who don't know church culture or Jesus or they're new to the Bible. What does that mean? And what about the spiritual gifts in the New Testament? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is, he, who, who is the Spirit? So much confusion there. Ten years ago, Barna did a survey. Uh, thousands of American Christians were polled. And when it came to the Holy Spirit, 58% of Christians agreed that, quote, the Holy Spirit is a symbol of God's power and presence, but not a living entity. Almost 60% of Christians do not see the Holy Spirit as a living person. Um, even though we say all the time, God in three persons, right? Uh, there's so much confusion around the Holy Spirit. And so the result, honestly, is that so many of us are robbed of life in the Spirit. A living, breathing relationship with the empowering presence of God today for transformation, for power over spiritual evil, and power to serve God. So, to understand the Spirit, we have to start at the beginning. We're going to go to uh, way before the book of Acts, what Clark read during worship, and we're going to Genesis 1. So you should have already turned there. The Spirit shows up on the first page of the Bible, almost the first line of the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 1 through 2. It says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, first thing I want to point out. The creation story starts with chaos. I want to point that out. Did you know that creation began with chaos? Like the first line of the Bible is a statement, God made everything, but then when the story gets going, it starts with chaos. And the words are formless, think uninhabitable and void, unlivable, empty, like the streets of like Paris and Rome and New York that we've seen in the news, void, like uninhabited. Um, and, and darkness, it says, was over the surface of the deep. And that's really chaotic language in ancient Jewish culture. The ocean was a scary place for the Jews. They, did not, they were not seafaring people. They weren't Vikings. They didn't have like long boats. They had little fishing boats sometimes. <laughs> and so the, the ocean was, was the place where demons are coming from. And so for chaos and darkness to cover the deep, this is, this is ultimate unknown and uncertainty. And this is where creation starts. This is important. This is the feeling we get at the beginning. Because then comes the next line. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So in that second sentence of the Bible, um, we talk about chaos, but before we even finish our sentence, boom, the spirit is there. He's hovering, over the, he's hovering over the waters to bring life and order and beauty. And I want to make this point right now, in this moment, in COVID slash, I saw a headline last night, all of America is burning. Uh, just protests over evil, uh, righteous indignation over racism. And, and listen, this is what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God hovers over brokenness 
and chaos and darkness, longing to bring healing and order and light. This is who the Spirit is. This is what he's doing all through the story from page one, sentence two of the Bible. That word hovering, the Spirit is hovering, it's special in the Bible. It shows up once at the beginning of the Bible. And I don't know if you knew this, but the first five books of the Bible were a very special collection of books to ancient Israel called the Pentateuch. So at the beginning of the Pentateuch, you have the Spirit hovering over chaos. And then at the end of the Pentateuch, the end of the book of Deuteronomy, the five book beginning, you see another entity hovering with comfort and healing. And it is God himself describing himself as a mother bird hovering over Israel who need comfort and care. Look at um, this passage, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 9. It says, For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren land and howling waste. Hear that? Barren, howling, chaos. There's something happening here. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest. Some, some translations say vulture. It's this giant caring bird on a nest. This is the picture God uses for himself. Then hovers over its young that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord alone led him. No foreign God was with him. Only God looks like this. So come on, like in, in, in these first five books of the Bible, the bookend, the bookend passages is, is God hovering over our brokenness. Just aching to bring life and to work creativity and light into hopelessness. This is where our hope is found. This is the Holy Spirit. This is who the Spirit is. And all through the Old Testament, you see glimpses of the Holy Spirit doing things like this. The first person to be filled with the Spirit, you know who he is? Joseph, like coat of many colors, Joseph. Uh, he's filled with the Spirit. And Pharaoh, a pagan king, says, there's no one in the land like this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God. And then later on, hundreds of years later, the Spirit fills a guy named Bezalel. It's a weird name. Do you, trivia, do you know what Bezalel did? So the Spirit of God comes on Bezalel and Bezalel uh, literally designs the first tabernacle. He's an artist and he's creative and he designs the first house where humans and God would meet together in Israel. The Spirit of God came upon an artist to create art. This is beautiful. And then there's this incredible story where Moses brings together 70 elders 70 of the leaders of Israel. Um, and Moses brings the 70 to meet with God. Uh, and God comes down in a cloud and speaks to them. Watch what happens. I'm gonna put this verse on the screen. Numbers 11. Watch what happens. He took some of the power of the spirit that was on him, Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. Crazy times right now. This is amazing what's happening. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad, uh, they remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. 
A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camps. And Joshua, son of Nun, who'd been Moses' aide since youth, he spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. So picture, <laughs> picture this scene. So these two guys, Eldad and Medad, they were supposed to show up to the elders' meeting, but they bailed. And they're not there. But the spirit didn't care. The spirit knew that they still had the role. And so the spirit went to them in the camp and began empowering them to prophesy, to miraculously start proclaiming the goodness of God. And Joshua saw this happening. He's like, this is, this is not official. This is not normal. This is weird. It's supposed to just be the approved leaders in the meeting, not the ones that ditched the meeting. This is out of order. Uh, so he's, you know, he's playing Holy Spirit police right now. And then Moses, look at this, verse 29. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So Moses is like, are you kidding me? Don't stop these people from life in the spirit from operating in the power of the Spirit and proclaiming the truth of God in divine power. And when Moses says that, he actually channels God's heart very profoundly. And it sums up this series, Park Hill Church. It sums up why we're here. It's God's heart for you. It's God's heart for our church and all the churches in San Diego that are doing, you know, pastors talking to cameras all over the place. God wants this right now. Um, I wish that all of God's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. This is a powerful moment for us. This is God's desire for you. Park Hill, this, this is our desire, not just this series, but for the rest of our lives as the people of God. Um, this one seemingly random statement from Moses it foreshadowed the church. Before the church was even like thousands of years before the church was a thing, it, Moses foreshadowed this day when God's people would no longer have one-off encounters with the spirit and need to go to a tabernacle and sacrifice lambs and all of that, but we would all have a priestly, prophetic role and place in God's kingdom. And this is who the church is. This is life in the spirit. Because the day of Pentecost came, which is the day we're celebrating today. And on that day, the church age began and Moses's dream came true. The day that all of God's people would have access to the intimate presence of God, where there is power to become like Jesus, power to operate in the prophetic, power to speak boldly to evil and watch strongholds like racism come down. This is what Moses envisioned. And this is where we live. We live in the age of the spirit. We're here. We can have life in the spirit. You can have life in the spirit. My prayer for you right now is in your home, you would experience what the, what the first disciples did, that God's presence would fill your living room, fill your bedroom, fill your space wherever you are, and invade your own will, that your will and his will would become fused at the deepest level and you would share God's heartbeat for the poor and for your church, for all of the things that are on God's heart. 
Now, today, God, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't just make special appearances anymore. Uh, That was an Old Testament thing. Now, in the new covenant, which is where we're at now, which is why we can take communion now, in the new covenant, we're forgiven and rescued by Jesus. And for us followers of Jesus, all of us get the spirit when we come to Jesus and he indwells our lives. This is when we admit our need for Jesus and repent and come to him as Lord and and leave our sins behind and come to Jesus for forgiveness. In that moment, that's when the spirit takes up a dwelling. He lives in us. And then all of us can continue life in the spirit, continue to receive more of the spirit, I'm going to talk about what that means. More of the spirit for service, for personal transformation, for prophetic ministry. And again, not just the leaders. It's not just, you know, Joshua's like, oh no, the approved leaders are up there, but these people aren't approved and they can't use the gifts. That's not the case anymore. So all of us are invited to become more intimately connected to God through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' words, abide in him. To abide to live intimately with Jesus. And honestly, you guys, that's, that's what this whole thing is about. Relationship. All of the power from the Spirit comes from ultimately a relationship in the Spirit. Um, this is why the Spirit is hovering over the chaos in the beginning. He wants relationship with creation. This is why God is nurturing and, and, and protecting Israel like a mother bird. And this is why the Spirit finally comes upon Jesus and then comes upon the church in Acts so that we might experience loving relationship and union and ultimately be transformed. All of our chaos will be brought into order and then God would use us to bring order in the chaos we see on the news this weekend. This is what we mean by more of the Spirit. Some of of us go, what do you mean more of the Spirit? Like, I thought I got the spirit when I got saved. Like you become a Christian, you get the spirit inside of you. Here's here's an analogy for it. I asked my wife's permission for this story. So um, Sandy and I, we will be married 20 years this November, which um, that's a long time, I guess. We'll be married 20 years this November. I remember uh, our first kiss. So we were were like high school sweethearts and stuff. So, So I remember... We had this deal where we wouldn't kiss till we got married. It didn't pan out. So we, we didn't do that, thankfully. And, and so we changed the deal to don't kiss till engagement. That didn't pan out. So, so we're about, you know, we, we, then we settled on, let's just get out of high school. <laughs> let's just get out of high school. And so we kind of did that. We got out of high school. I say kind of because the history is a little fuzzy, but... Um, so, so we, so we get out of high school and I remember, I rem- she's over there <laughs> and I remember, um, you know, she's on the doorstep and I get this wild idea to like, this, this should be our first kiss. And, uh, and I'm like, close your eyes. She's like, okay. I'm like, I want to give you a prize or a present or something. <laughs> um, we were so private Christian schooled. <laughs> so, um, so, so she's, she's there and she closed her eyes and then I like, kiss her but it was more like I bumped into her face and that was it and she was she was like in shock she's like we waited for that like that's 
and she was, she felt robbed, rightfully so. But for me, it was kind of cute and kind of fun. So, so what if at that moment, what if at that moment, that first kiss, I was like, okay, I have Sandy now. I have Sandy. We're totally probably going to get married. We were pretty sure of that. Both our parents were into it. Life together. We kissed. I have her. We're done. I've, you know, I have her. And I, and I treated that first kiss as, as all of Sandy. Um, did I have Sandy? Uh, yes, I did. She was planning, we were planning on getting married very young. So yes, I, quote unquote, we were together. But we hadn't even scratched the surface of the depth and power of our relationship. And now 20 years later, I, it's so complex and so beautiful. And I, I'm so aware. I want more depth of relationship with my wife more experience of her qualities and the kissing is way better for sure now. So this is what we mean when we say more of the spirit. Yes, you have the spirit. You have the spirit in your life fully. God has given himself to you when you become a Christian. But there is something real about this relationship that we're invited into. God wants us to long for more and increase our capacity for experiencing him, more of the spirit. In this moment, Jesus is inviting our church into more. And personally, yeah, you personally, he's inviting you into more, deeper in the spirit, when we can experience more loving union and be transformed. So Billy Graham, you know, he said it this way, and I think he's right. He says, everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They're hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all they expected and uh, they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't argue with Billy Graham. Um, So we're gonna get into what this means. This is an introductory sermon, and today, Pentecost Sunday, we're going to spend some time. We're not in a rush. We're going to linger in the Spirit. We're going to sing more songs than normal. So please stay with us. You're invited to just, uh, you you are invited to invite the presence of God into your space. We're going to sing at least like three songs, four songs after this teaching. Uh, And next week, we have a a guest teacher. We're doing like digital guest teachers now. Uh, Dave Lomas from Reality San Francisco. He was supposed to be physically here this Sunday, or last Sunday, but then COVID happened. And so he graciously agreed to film a teaching. And it's perfect for this moment, all about abiding in Jesus in relationship through the Spirit and leaning back on Jesus. So uh, you don't want to miss next Sunday, for sure. Throughout the series, we'll have another guest teacher too, and it's gonna be a great season for us. But for today, I just wanna kind of land the plane with one simple thought. It's very important, um, even if it seems too simple. And it's this. When we see the phrase Holy Spirit in the Bible or the Spirit of God, what the writers of the Bible are getting at is that this is God's personal presence. Which means this, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about God. 
all God, like not just part of God, not just an energy force from God. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about God. And I know this almost feels too obvious. Like, yeah, we know this, we're Christians or whatever. But listen, in my experience, we Christians have a tough time remembering that when we say Holy Spirit, we are saying God. In fact, when we say Holy Spirit, we're saying Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit, who are the one God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And just because you're third in a list doesn't mean you're an afterthought. When we say Holy Spirit, we're saying God. And this is so important, um, more important than we realize, because generally speaking, we tend to make the mistake of breaking up the Trinity in our minds. Like the Father creates, the Son redeems, and the Holy Spirit, uh, what does he do? I guess he gives you the feels during worship, and when you see the sunset, you get goosebumps or whatever. And, and too often, the Holy Spirit is associated with this feeling that you then connect back to God. Um, and we unintentionally demote the Holy Spirit beneath the Father and the Son, as if he's like the messenger from the Father and Son or something. And we fail to realize the historic Christian teaching that's united the church for 2,000 years, that every act of God is a triune act. Whenever the Father, Son, and Spirit are acting, they're always acting together in perfect relationship with each other all the time. This idea is at the heart of Christianity. This is why Christianity is a community effort. As my mentor, Gary Bashir says, uh, God is a family that creates family. The Trinity, always other-oriented in perfect relationship, creates the church who then joins that relationship with him. This is the heart of Christianity. And so we're going to close um, just by reading from a 1,500-year-old statement of faith. We, we call them, some traditions call them creeds, confessions, whatever. But, but, but this, this specific statement has unified the global church for over 1,500 years now, almost 1,600 years now. And before I read it, if you're like me and you didn't grow up with creeds, uh, they can feel foreign, they can feel weird, but I want to say that's actually a really new problem. And, and that problem's unique to the, just the last couple generations of Christians. For almost all Christians, for almost all 2,000 years of church history, the creeds have defined our faith. The creeds are the church's way of saying all together, yes, we agree with you, Lord. We, we hear you, and we love you so much that we're actually listening what do they tell you if you've been to marriage therapy? Like, what is real love? It is active listening. <laughs> it's reflecting back in your own words what your lover is saying. And so the creeds are us reflecting back in the church's collective voice. We hear you. You are Father. You are Son. You are Spirit. You are all three together, one God forever. And we worship you. And we want to live like you in a community like that. This is what we do when we confess these creeds together. So with that said, the, the creeds are going to, these lyrics are going to go up on your screen and we're, let's all say them together from your couch, uh, from your phone, your bed, your table, whatever. Let's say this together from the Athanasian Creed. We worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity. Neither blending their persons 
nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit still another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. It goes on, let's read the last part. Nothing in the Trinity is before or after. Nothing is greater or smaller. In their entirety, the three persons are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. So in everything, as was said earlier, we must worship their Trinity in their unity and their unity in their Trinity. So when we say Holy Spirit, we are saying God, not just some of God or a powerful force from God, but the Holy Spirit is God's own personal presence for you and with you. And just like the Spirit hovered over creation's chaos, longing to birth life, the Spirit is hovering over the chaos of coronavirus, longing to bring healing. The Spirit is hovering over the chaos and the darkness of racism and the oppression of people of color in a system that is built against them. The Spirit is hovering over America right now, and He's longing to bring healing and peace and birth new life where there is chaos and pain and darkness. And the Holy Spirit is hovering over your chaos, your financial uncertainty, your identity crisis that's coming from job loss or transfer or whatever. He's hovering over your chaos, desiring to bring new life and lead you into intimacy and into relationship with Him, longing to invite you into life in the Spirit, okay? It's time for our church to step into this together. We need more than songs and sermons. Was there ever a time we were more aware of that? Like, we need more than songs and sermons. If all we needed for church was songs and sermons, then you're good. Like, we got the camera and you you hear the song. Um, But we clearly are longing for something more. We know this now in our bones. We need to be filled with the power of the Spirit to be the community. Remember, picture the Trinity oriented toward each other in love, bringing together a worldwide family of all colors and all nations and all languages to be oriented towards one another in love. Not factioned off in tribes, but brought to unity under Jesus. This is life in the Spirit. So like, are you with me? Are you... Are we in this together? Can we walk forward together as a church? This is where God is gonna lead us. In this uncertain moment, he is birthing life. Let's step into life in the spirit. Heavenly Father, would you come right now, bring order where our chaos was. Bring fearlessness and boldness where we were anxious. Relationship with you, is where all hope is found. You are the anchor for our soul. So as we come to the table in a few moments, would you root us even deeper in the life of God, the presence of the Spirit for us? In Jesus' name.